How many of y'all, I'm kind of looking around, how many of y'all remember when you graduated high school? <laughs> I remember the day. I remember. 19, for me, it was 1998, Livingston High School. Today is Graduate Recognition Sunday, and also today is the day we begin a journey together through the New Testament book and scripture called Colossians. And you might ask today, what in the world does the book of Colossians have to do with graduation? Well, a lot, actually, a whole lot. Because graduation is, if you think about it today, as we, all of these students were, were in front of us, these graduates, and parents were up here, and, and they'll do it again in the second service. I don't know, we have 15, 16, I think, graduates, which is a, a, quite incredible. It is looking back, as you think about graduation, it is looking back on faithfulness. It is a kind of a, a stone in someone's, put down in someone's life, a signpost. It says, look at this person's work. And look at the parents' work, right? Like parents have put in so much up to that point. And then even really deeper than that, it is a a stone that says, look at God's faithfulness. And all of that also, it is also saying, look what is ahead. And it is at the same time saying, as we're thinking about looking in the past and the faithfulness, at the same time, it is saying for these students, for these graduates, and for the families, that the best is yet to come. And I love that. God is always saying the best is yet to come. He, abundant life is still, we continue to press toward that. And so we find that best in the theme of the book of Colossians. And here's the theme of the book of Colossians. It is this, Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme. If we could just grasp who Christ is, that would so, so change us. It would so change the trajectory of our our present and the trajectory of our, our future. Christ is supreme over us. He is supreme in us. And he is supreme around us. And he is supreme through us. I'm going to make a statement. Just kind of think about this as I make this statement. Here's the scoop in my words on the book of Colossians. When Christ who is over us by faith dwells in us, good God stuff flows out of us. Okay, think about it, all right? This is so important as we walk this journey together through the book of Colossians. When Christ, who is over us, dwells by faith in us, good God stuff. That's my words, y'all. It's not, I know it's not big words. Good God stuff flows out of us. And so turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in verses 1 to 8 today. So if you can go ahead and go there. Colossians is written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. In most likely 63 AD, and he, at this point, would have been in prison in Rome, writing to the church of Colossae. And they have, he's writing because he's addressing what is often called the Colossian heresy. 
Now, we're going to go deeper in that in the coming days. We're going to be in this journey through the summer. So we're going to take your time talking through this. I'm not going to unpack the Colossian heresy in detail today, but, but to put it simply, it is what, what I would call, it is, it is the same as modern-day syncretism. Syncretism is taking some of this and some of that and some of that and some of that and some of that and bringing it together and coming up with something that is new. And so that's kind of what was happening. The Colossian heresy in in its simplicity is kind of a a little bit of what we might find in the New Testament, a little bit of what we might find in the Old Testament and and the Jewish legalism side of the Old Testament, a little bit of, of pagan mysticism and kind of put all that together and you come up with whatever you kind of want to come up with, right? Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what's going on. Well, I just kind of choose what is right for me. I like this, I like this, and I like this, and I like this. What is it is, and you kind of come it together, and this is truth for me. That's kind of what was going on. And so Paul writes this letter to address what is happening in the first century church in Colossae. And it's interesting as we kind of, we'll spend quite a bit of time over the next several months talking about the Colossian heresy and, and what is Paul is actually specifically addressing precisely. But, but Paul chooses to dwell not on the problem as much as he dwells on the solution. And here's the solution, a better understanding of Jesus. I think sometimes we, we focus so much on the problem, and it's important that we focus on the problem. We're going to talk about it. But Paul chooses in the book of Colossians to focus on the solution, which is a better understanding of Jesus. Reminds me of, I've told you before, but it reminds me of how they train bank tellers to identify counterfeits. Do you remember? Well, when, when tellers go through training, the, the American Banking Association, instead of giving them all these different counterfeit forms, they instead give them the, the real money. And they tell them to examine it, whoa, to handle it, to figure out how it feels, to hold it up to the light, to, to, to just as much as they can, as much time as they can, holding the, the real thing. And, and they never even show them a counterfeit. They spend days just kind of getting them to show all the different kind of monies and looking at it and knowing all of the details, the intricacies of the real thing. And then when they get to work, they're so familiar with the right, real McCoy then they readily will understand and see the counterfeit. And that, to me, is what Paul does in the book of Colossians. Because Paul knew this, knowing the real Jesus helps us to stay away from the counterfeit no matter how it comes packaged. Because I think that has changed over time. But if we could just hold the truth of Scripture up, hold the book of Colossians up together, which is what we will do every week. If we could just see Jesus for all of who he is, then we'll see all the counterfeits the enemy sends our way that he wants us to be tripped up by. And so no further ado, let's read Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It's the letter to the Colossians. You'll see that it starts with the greeting. And it ends at the end of Colossians with a salutation, just like any other letter that we would write. He says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and the Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. I think that's important. He just, from the very top, he talks about faith, but he talks about in, he gives the object of the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. And so it sounds like a hyperbole, but that was actually what was happening in that day. The church was on fire. The gospel was spreading to the known world, all of the, all of the, the reign of Rome in that time. The, the gospel was spreading like wildfire. And so that is happening, and Paul is responding uh, to that gospel multiplication that was happening, which, was, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. It's among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. I thought about today, I thought about Graduate Recognition Sunday. This very much is a message to the graduates, although just a handful of graduates are still with us. Some of them went over here, they're back in the second service. And so for those who are, are graduates in the room, this message is for you. I have written this message for you. And for all of us who are part of the church, this message is for us too. The scripture is always relevant to all of us. But as I thought about, about what scripture has here in verses 1 to 8 and what Paul is responding to, I thought of two words, gospel gratitude. Gospel gratitude. Paul is looking over what God is doing in the first century church. And he's looking among his brothers and sisters in Christ as he writes to them. He is going to address what we're talking about, the Colossian heresy. We're going to get to that later on. But as he looks over all of the good things that God had been doing, as he looks past, just like today, we're looking past these last 17, 18 years of these young men and young women's life. He is looking back and he sees the hand of God. He sees the faithfulness of God. He sees the goodness of God. And his response to that is one of smiling toward that. It's one of gratitude, but it's, it's rooted, it's not just a gratitude, it's rooted in the gospel. So it's gospel gratitude. What a topic to dwell on on graduation Sunday. And here's the truth. For you graduates in the room, and for all of us today, if you want to live a joy-filled and abundant life, it is foundational and essential that you practice the discipline of gratitude. Now, I'm not going to talk at length about that because I, I have often talked about that, especially around Thanksgiving. I talk about the truth of gratitude. But it's important that, that we practice and choose gratitude because gratitude is a discipline and a choice. And it's something you've heard it said probably before. It's like we have to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, right? You've heard that before. You have to cultivate that. You have to choose that. You have to have a discipline of that. And so Paul talks about this a little bit in a different manner of words in Philippians chapter 4. You guys would know verse 13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Paul who said that. But if you rewind a few verses to verse 11, Paul says this, I have learned, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Then he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And so Paul recognizes that contentment and gratitude doesn't come to us innately. It is something that we have to foster and learn and and create a discipline of of this in our life. And so what Paul is saying in those verses is that gratitude in who we are and who Christ is will give us strength, that we have that today will give us strength for what we need tomorrow. But the deepest kind of gratitude that we could ever experience in life is what we're talking about today. It's gospel gratitude. It's the deepest, most fruitful most vibrant kind of gratitude. And it's with that gratitude that Paul looks on what God has done. Look at the faithfulness of God and look at what he's been doing among his people and says, look at what he has done. Look how faithful he is. But specifically, there's deep gratitude toward two things in our passage. You can grab your pen. There's one there in the pocket in front of you if you didn't bring one. And you can grab your notes. Just two specific things today that, that fostered this gratitude in Paul, the first is this. We find it in verse 4 and 5. He has a deep gratitude because of the faith, love, and hope that God's people are experiencing. So I think about that. That reminds me, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Have you ever heard that before in Scripture? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. It's like, yeah. You know, a lot of times uh, when, when you go to a wedding, you'll hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is called the, what's it called? It's called the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Anybody else want to take a stab at anything else love is? Love is? It remembers no wrong. Love never fails. It goes on and on and on. But then it gets to the last verse of chapter 13. And it says this. It's verse 13. And now these three remain. And guess what they are? Faith. Hope and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? And so it's all rooted in the love of Christ, and that's what Paul is responding to, that the love of Christ has caused them to have faith, has called them to love others, which has caused them to have hope. And so these things are kind of a a trifecta, if you will, a triad that you find when you experience Christ for yourself. But if you go to the next chapter, chapter 14, of 1 Corinthians, after that, after that verse 13, the love chapter, it says this. It says, pursue that love. It says, follow the way. The NIV says, follow the way of love. I love that. If you're a climber, and I never have been, obviously, I'm not built to be like a rock climber. But if you were a rock climber in a room, you would know this. There is a, a golden rule of rock climbing. And it is this, keep three points on the rock at all times. Keep three points. Now, let me explain that. If I'm climbing a, a, a rock face, I've got two hands, I've got two feet. And in every one of those, I have a handhold or a foothold. And so the golden rule of climbing, unless you're just a stud and have incredible, like, hand strength, and you can do it one hand by one hand by one hand. We watched The Princess Bride last week with our kids. How many of you guys have seen that? Andre the Giant just do one hand over another. If you're not Andre the Giant, like, you need all four holds, right? But, but the golden rule is you must have three. And so if you're going up, you must have at least one handhold and two foothold if I'm going to stretch and, and get a higher hold. 
And the same is true. If, I've got, if I'm going to try to move my feet and I need to go higher, I need to make sure I have three points, one here, one here, and one foot before I release and try to get here and push off, right? It's the triad of rock climbing. And so what we find here in this gratitude of Paul is this triad of the Christian life. It's true of our spiritual lives as much as it is for the security in rock climbing. To keep from falling, we need to keep a grip on those three things. To, to, that next step for you graduates in the room, just a handful of you guys, for these next steps, whatever God has for you, grab hold. Never release those three things, faith, love, and hope. W.H.G. Thomas gives us an excellent description of how these, these three things relate to each other. It says this, faith rests on the past, love works on in the present, and hope presses toward the future. Faith looks backward and upward, love looks outward, and hope looks forward. These three constitute the true, complete Christian life, and not one of them should be omitted or slighted, he says. We are only too apt to emphasize faith and love and forget hope but inasmuch as hope is invariably connected with the coming of the Lord, that blessed hope, it is vital. It is a vital part of the Christian life. We have actually talked about that at length the last couple of months, this idea that Jesus is coming back, our blessed hope, that this is not our home, that there is a, a greater home for us in heaven that he has prepared for us. That is our hope, and so he is emphasizing that. He goes on, faith accepts, hope expects, faith appropriates. Hope anticipates, faith receives, hope realizes. Faith is always and only concerned with the past and present. Hope is always and only concerned with the future. We know that faith comes by hearing. We should find that hope comes by experience. Faith is concerned with the person who promises, hope with the thing promised, and faith is the root of which hope is a fruit. I want to read that part again because I think that is really rich. And this is what Paul is responding to. Faith is concerned with the person who promises. Who is that? That's Jesus, the supreme one. So, so faith is concerned with the person who promises. Hope with the thing promised. This is all that God promises through Jesus of our present and our future. And faith is the root of which hope is a fruit. William Barclay says, faith without love is cold and hope without love is grim. Love is the fire which kindles faith and it is a light which turns hope into certainty. And so for all of us today, it is a reminder for us to hold on. All of this is rooted in the love of Christ. The love of Christ leads us to faith in him, to trust him, which leads us, if we truly trust him, it transforms everything in our life and leads us to what? To love others, right? Which leads us to a further hope. And it's kind of like this progression out in front of us that keeps going. And then we experience that and we keep growing and growing and multiplying. So graduates pursue faith, love, and hope. And for us parents, I'm not a graduate parent today, but I'm a parent. My time is coming, y'all. But, but it is this, that, that parents, there is hope. If we rewind it, as we look back, there is hope for the future because we can look back and see God's faithfulness in the past. As we look back, like, man, God is so 
good. He is so faithful. There are so many miracles that God has had all the way up to this point, and there's no reason for us to think that that is not going to continue as God continues to extend his presence and power and faithfulness to our children and to their children's children. And so, there's a reminder today to faith and to love and to hope. But the second is this. I think this is so important. of a challenge for our graduates and a reminder for us, all of us today. It is a gratitude for fruitful relationships. That's the second thing. There's a gratitude for fruitful relationships. Paul here describes a life-changing gospel friendship that happened in Colossae. Now, we don't know exactly how it all happened, but there's this guy named Epaphras. And when he came on the scene, he is from, we, we learn later on in this book that he is from, this is his hometown, and somehow we think that he heard the gospel probably at one of, one of Paul's kind of times where he was preaching the gospel in Asia Minor, and he heard that and went back, and he just began to share that. And so there is a gospel friendship that happened there. And uh, it reminded me of the necessity of fruitful relationships. Excuse me. I know I can look back on my life. (coughs) Man. And I can realize in practice that my friends have always done one of two things. They've either pulled me down or they have built me up. You look back on your life at your friends. All of us have probably had some not good friends. Look back. When I was in junior high, I began to hang out with some not good friends when I was playing football. And I, I began to learn some things that, that I am not proud of these days. And I think you could look back on your life and you would say that. You could look back and say, yeah, these friends, like they, they, they pulled me down. But I hope that you can look back on your life and you have good, healthy, fruitful friendships that have lifted you up. Reminds me of a farmer that had a crow problem at his house. They were eating all, at his farm, they were eating all of his corn. And so one day he went out and he took a shotgun and the crows were flying. He began to shoot at the crows, and all the birds were, were dropping. And he realized that one of the birds wasn't black, it was red. And he went over to examine with his boys, and he found out that it was his pet parrot. And he had winged his pet parrot, and the boys were, were just dumbfounded at the situation, were wondering, like, God, man, what, what happened? And the dad quickly responded, bad company. He was hanging out with the wrong crowd. You see, that's what happens. See, here's the truth. I think, I think if you've been around long enough, you know this. Those of us who are more seasoned in life in the room could come up right up here today and you can give testimony to what I'm talking about today. You would say to these graduates today, you would remind all of us in the room, including myself, to choose wisely. Choose wisely because you become who you hang out with. 
You become who you hang out with. There was a British publication that, that wanted people to better understand what true friendship is. And so people would send these in, and there was a contest of what the best definition of friendship is. Here's a handful of the ones submitted. A friend is one who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is invaluable. A friend is one who understands our silence. A friend is a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A friend is a watch that beats true for all time that never runs down. And the winning definition was this. A friend is the one who comes in when the world has gone out. You see, we need, we need fruitful relationships. We need fruitful friendships in our life. And so here is the challenge. It's twofold. For you graduates, you'll hear it. If you hang out in the second service, you'll hear it again. Go surround yourself with fruitful people. Hear the wisdom that Paul is is grateful for. This one man, this one gospel friendship changed a city. And that one gospel friendship in your life will change your life. Go wherever God is leading you. Go and pursue gospel, fruitful friendship, and God will bless that. So go, and that's a reminder to me. Surround myself with fruitful people that are going to pour into me, that are going to enrich my life, that are going to hold me accountable in a very loving way and not a shameful way. That's our dream at Hope Church, it is to be a to be a church where we can we can be honest and transparent and grow together in the ways of Christ. We surround ourselves with fruitful people. And here's the second thing: go and be that person to others. Go and be that person to others. I know that you have heard about the story of two friends who were hunting in the mountains in America one day, and one of those friends yelled out loud, and the other looked, and there was a bear running at them. The first friend began to kneel down and put his tennis shoes on, and the second friend said, what are you doing? You know you can't outrun a bear, and he says, you know what he says, I know I can't outrun a bear, but I don't have to, I just have to outrun you. (laughs) What Paul is saying is don't be that guy. Be an Epaphras. Be an Epaphras that goes and and after you experience the gospel fruit in your life, go and be an Epaphras and share that. Be, Be the friend that builds up instead of tears down. Do you hear the, the, what Paul is grateful for? That this Epaphras went and he poured in and God just honored and blessed that you see, graduation is not only a celebration of the past. It's not only kind of looking into the future that, 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 that this is a new beginning of something even better that is coming. Graduation is the mark of a strategic sending. A strategic sending. You see, we, we raise our kids and we build them up as, as young men and young women in Christ. Why in the world would we do that? So they can go make lots of money and be good citizens in America. Well, those are good things. 
But the best thing is when we raise them up that they are missionaries sent out to be Epaphrasis to the people that God is sending them to. So students, go and walk in God's faithfulness, but go live out your calling to be missionaries just like Epaphras did. As I thought about that this week, and I was praying about like, how do we close this? The band's going to come up. We're going to have a closing song. How in the world do you close this? Here's how I wanted to close it. Aren't you glad that God isn't like that first friend in the grizzly story, in the bear story? Aren't you glad that, that, that God is, does the opposite? He's the one that is present and defends us. He doesn't run away from us. Even when we run from him, we sang a couple of songs about that today already. Even when we run, and when, even when we're unfaithful, God is present. He is with us, and he is faithful. And here's the reminder. That people may fail us, for you graduates and for all of us in the room. People may fail us, but you will always have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, as the book of Proverbs says. You will always have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can't go anywhere where he will not be. You can't go anywhere where he will not be. You cannot outsend his grace. You cannot unmerit his mercy. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot outrun his everlasting, unfathomable love. You can't. Psalm 139, we sang it today. I didn't even realize that we were singing it today. But it says in verse 7 in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, in the lowest part, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand, listen to the phrase, will hold me fast. That's it, y'all. God is faithful. He's not only with us, he holds us with his most capable. He is able. He is most capable no matter what. And so today, I say to you graduates, go forth and pursue the love of Christ in your life. Follow the way of Jesus. Church, I say the same for us. Let's go and pursue Jesus. Follow his ways. Keep faithing. Keep loving. Keep hoping. Why? Because Christ is supreme. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. God, what an honor to look at these high school graduates and look in the past and see the faithfulness of parents that have brought their their kids to church and raised their kids in your ways. God, we thank you. We are grateful for parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents who have poured in. And God, we are grateful for your hand that has been firmly around these graduates and will continue. So God, I pray that we would be faithful to pursue 
and to walk in the ways of your love as we go from this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray.